Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. We thank you for the gift you are in our lives. And I ask you to teach us today, to speak to us today, to encourage us today, to strengthen us today. And I thank you, Lord, that we would grow here as a community, grow as individuals, and experience your love as we meet this morning. Amen. Well, um, my name is Grant. I'm one of the pastors or elders here at Restored. And we are currently in a series on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be continuing that this morning. And we're going to be talking about prophecy today. Now, I think some of you in this room are listening to that background music. And you're going, what a vibe. I didn't know they did this during preachers these days. Well, look out. We've got some more surprises for you this morning. Others of you are hearing that we're talking about prophecy today. And if you're new, you've like leant over to your friend and you've gone, seriously? Prophecy? Like, you guys believe in that? We're going to play Quidditch after the service? Like, what's happening here today? And others, maybe you're new here and you're excited. You're like, whoa, I didn't know you guys talked about this stuff at church. Prophecy is exciting, man. I'm pumped for this. So I'm not sure what comes into your mind. I think if I hadn't looked at this before, experienced this in church before, probably the picture that would come into my mind when I thought about prophecy would be like this cloaked figure, you know, kind of speaking in this elven language, some air of mystery around them as they take the mic and speak. That is not what we're talking about today at all. We're going to be talking about a very normal, ordinary, everyday way that God speaks to us by His Spirit and through His people. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now this week, I finished reading a book called The Listening Life, Embracing Attentiveness in a World of Distraction. And I love that subtitle, The Listening Life, Embracing Attentiveness in a World of Distraction. And there were a whole bunch of different uh, titles or chapters in that book. The second chapter was called The King Who Listens, which I loved. It was a chapter speaking about how God listens to us which I'm sure makes sense to all of us in this room, that when we pray, God listens. But have you thought about that, that God is a listening God? Have you thought about the fact that God listens when you speak or that God listens when you pray? And the other chapters in this book were things like listening to Scripture, listening to creation, which has been called in church history the big book. The Bible is the little book of God. Creation's like the big book of God, revealing His character, revealing His nature, revealing Him to us. Creation is the big book, so we want to listen to creation. We want to listen to others. We want to listen to people in pain, and we want to listen to our own lives. And I think one of the things I found as I was reading through this book and thinking about listening and learning about listening from a Christian point of view is how shallowly we often listen. And I'm sure some of you this week have practiced this or have experienced this. You've been in a conversation with someone, and you're on your phone, or they're on their phone, or you're both on your phones while you talk to one another. Or they're speaking to you and you're listening and you're picking up key words as you go through, but actually you're not fully present. You're not really listening at a deep level. You kind of take in bits and pieces, but you're thinking about other things. Or you're thinking about what you're going to say when there's a gap for you to talk. We're not really listening at a deep level and listening to what they're really, really saying. We're listening shallowly. We're zoned out. We're not present in our listening. And communication is a big deal even when we do it well. We had an elders meeting this Tuesday and we were talking and I said something like, yeah, what data would we get out of that? And Royce, who is listening to me intently, has got the purest of hearts. He looked at me and he said, Grant, what is data? <laughs> and he wasn't making fun of my accent. He literally didn't know what I was talking about. He was trying to understand. He was on the edge of his seat. What is data, Grant? And I was trying to say data. I was trying to communicate something. And this person, we speak the same language. He's listening to me talk. He hears the word I say, and he has no idea what it is I'm saying. Even when we are listening well, even when we're speaking the same language, even when we're engaged, we can misunderstand each other or miss what we're trying to say. What is data, Grant? And I think the reality is for us in our busy lives and in our loud world, there's just a lot of possibility for us to hear so many messages, to, to listen to so many voices, to listen to so many different things but to miss out on the voice of God and what God is wanting to say to us. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today, listening to the voice of God. New Testament scholar Scott McKnight reports that the word listen appears in the Bible over 1,500 times and that the most frequent, uh, frequently voiced complaint in the Bible is that the people don't listen. How wild is that? If that's the number one complaint in the Bible, the people don't listen, how much truer would that be in our day today than it would have been when the scriptures were written? 
But in John 10 verse 27, Jesus says these words to us, which I think should give all of us encouragement today. Whether you feel comfortable to hear God's voice or not, whether this is something you're familiar with or not, Jesus says to us in John 10 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. What an encouragement. Jesus, our shepherd, says to us, we demystify some of the language of prophecy for a second. Our shepherd says to us as sheep, my sheep hear my voice. We hear the voice of God. You know, the, the commentaries and books I've, I've listened to or read about shepherds and sheep, they say if there is a group of sheep in a field and other sheep come in, other shepherds come in, those sheep know the call of their shepherd. They know his voice. They hear it and they respond to him when he calls them out. When God speaks to us, we know. We, we know God is speaking. And more than that, God knows us. So we don't just know his voice. He knows us. He knows our needs. He knows our struggles. He knows the way we hear. God knows us much more intimately than we know ourselves or, or more intimately than anyone else knows us. So not only does he speak and we hear him, but he knows us and he knows what we need to hear and he knows what we need. And when he calls us and speaks to us, we follow. That should be a huge encouragement to us as we get into this topic today. I remember my first uh, significant experience with prophecy well. Maybe some of you people will relate to this. Some of you, maybe this will be really, really foreign. But uh, when I was like a year into, I was about 19 years old. I was at a church called Red Point. Before I was on staff at a church, before we planted a church, anything like that. I was at a, a church gathering like this. And there was a guest speaker. His name was Lois. And I remember he shared a message which really encouraged me. And I went up to him afterwards and I just said, Lois, thank you so much for what you shared. It was great. And I think we kind of talked for a minute or two. And he said to me, Grant, I think I've got a word from God for you. I think I've got a prophetic word and encouragement for you today, which I'd love to share with you. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like, I'm really open to that. And he said something like this to me. He, he said something like, I believe God is wanting to use you powerfully but like a pipe that's kind of corroded and has things inside needs to be cleaned out before water can flow through it. There are some things God is wanting to clean out of your life. That could be something that you just read in a horoscope, you know? That could be generic for every single person in the world. But for me, that resonated. That just cut to my heart. That answered questions I was asking of God, things I was praying about, things I was wondering about. And I immediately felt moved by the Spirit and got emotional because this was something that was for me. This wasn't just a generic word that you could share with anyone you could, but this was a word that resonated with me and felt like God's care, God's comfort, God's strengthening, God's encouragement to me in that moment. And as that happened, he may have prayed for me or something. My friend Duncan comes up and he joins our conversation. Now, Duncan had been a Christian for like two or three weeks. He was brand new to church. He was learning all of this. And he starts to chat to Lois and I. And Lois says, Duncan, I wanted to share something with you. Do you know what word it was? <laughs> no, you cynics. He didn't say the same thing to Duncan. He said to me, it was actually amazing. He opened his Bible and he started to teach Duncan how to read the Bible what the Bible was, the, the way the Bible worked, the, the way we heard God speak through the Bible. He started to encourage him and excite Duncan about the Bible. And what was incredible is as Duncan and I spoke about this moment afterwards, I was like, God has spoken to me profoundly around calling and the questions that I've been asking him in prayer. Duncan's like, God just taught me something that I didn't know, which is so helpful to me where I was. And this was 0% mystical, 0% strange, no hoods coming out, no elven languages, none of that stuff at all. This was an ordinary, calm, um, everyday conversation with someone after a church gathering where the Spirit led them and guided them to share something with each of us that was different and relevant to us in significant and powerful ways. I think that was like a moment of being marked. God sees me. God knows me. God is speaking to me and being deeply encouraged by that. Now, the fact that stuff like that happens shouldn't really surprise us because God is a speaking God and he's been speaking since the beginning. In Genesis 1, verse 1 to 3, the first three verses of the Bible, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God speaks right in the beginning. One of the first things we learn about God is that he is a speaking God. That's something the Bible wants to reveal to us and show us that God is a speaking God and he is the same today as he was 
back then. And we see throughout the scriptures, God speaking to men and women through different periods of time. Right in the beginning, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right at the start, God speaking to them and being with them. Later on, Noah, God reveals to him that there's going to be this flood, that there's going to be this judgment, and God calls him to build this ark, this boat, which Noah does in response as an act of obedience. God speaks to Abraham and calls him to go out to a place where he didn't know he was going, but just to trust and follow God as he led. Or Moses, who had this intimacy with God, who spoke to God like a friend speaks to their friend face to face, who led the people of God to the promised land. Or what about Miriam or Elijah or Hannah or Samuel? Or as we get into the New Testament, Mary hearing the voice of God saying, I am going to call you to give birth to the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one. Or Joseph or Paul or John, just all of these characters hearing God in different ways at different times as he speaks by his spirit. God is a speaking God. And I know some of you in this room, you know, we all come from different backgrounds and have different experiences. For some Christians, we get quite uncomfortable when we talk about God speaking in ways outside of the Bible. Outside of just reading the scriptures or hearing the scriptures taught in a sermon or something like that, we can get a little bit on edge, a little bit uncomfortable. But as we read through the Bible, we see again and again and again these many different ways that God speaks to his people. I want to read you guys a, a really great quote, I think. Let's see, we'll see at the end of the quote if it resonates or not. Otherwise, I'll toss it. I'll delete it from the notes going forward. Um, Throughout the Old and New Testaments, God employs an impressive arsenal of communication tools. Words spoken from heaven, words written on tablets, preaching and prophetic words, answered prayer, visual demonstrations, counsels and consensus, thoughts, dreams, visions, symbols, words from others, signs in creation, angels, music and song, spiritual gifts, the breaking of bread and immersion in river water, common sense, conviction of sin, impressions on the conscience, and of course, a chatty donkey. The Bible does not offer a systematic treatment for how God speaks and how to recognize his voice. It assumes that God speaks in manifold and mysterious and unexpected ways. God speaks from outside and God speaks from within. God asks questions and God gives answers. God speaks in noise and in silence. The universe crackles with the sound of God's voice. I love that. God is a speaking God and he speaks in many different ways to his people and to his creation. In Joel 2, we read this prophetic promise that is for us today. You can receive this for you this morning. It says in verse 28, After this I will pour out my spirit on all humanity, on all flesh, Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions. Three different ways that God speaks. Prophecy, dreams, visions. And here we see this promise that the Spirit of God would be poured out on all people. And that's true for us today. If you're a Christian in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is inside of you. The Spirit of God and your spirit are together. The Spirit is with you. And there's this call to live life in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. That is the idea of the Christian life for all of us. But not just do we have the Spirit, but we have the Spirit who speaks to us in different ways because He wants us to hear. So if you're a Christian here today, you have the Spirit of God inside of you, and God wants you to hear Him speak in the different ways that He's speaking. Sometimes that you would hear for yourself, Sometimes that you would hear his voice to share that with someone else, to strengthen them, comfort them, or encourage them. But we live in this age of the Spirit that Joel was prophesying. This is the age we live in now, the age of the Spirit, where we have the Spirit and where all Christians can hear God speak. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. This is a command to us, actually multiple commands in this verse, which says, pursue love. I think this is a church that loves to love one another well. We want to love God and we seek to love each other as well as we can and build each other up in love. And it says, pursue love, and other translations, pursue the way of love and desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. And I think one of the encouragements we have to see here is as Andy spoke about the gifts of the Spirit last week, sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, these famous chapters on the gifts of the Spirit is a chapter on love showing us what the love of God is and the fact that his love is crucial to the way that we deploy and employ and use these gifts in our church and in our lives. 
Love is central to the gifts, but actually using the gifts and asking God for the gifts is a way that we love one another and build each other up. And God does not force these gifts on us. Here we see in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, an invitation to pursue the way of love and desire these gifts, to ask God for these gifts, to embrace them, to receive these gifts. If we hold them at hand's length, at arm's length, God's not going to force these on us. So for us, there is an invitation to seek these, to pursue these, to desire these, to want these, to receive these, and to trust God to use us in this way. Sadly, I think for a lot of Christians, what happens is we've heard about these things, we've read about these things, but these things are almost like um, kind of your wedding china or whatever, or, or your silverware that your mom used to store away and only use on special occasions. They come out once or twice a year, but the rest of the time, either they're on display or they're in the cupboard somewhere, but we don't use them all of the time. They're special. We love the idea of them, but we don't bring them out often. And that is not the idea that God has got for these gifts. The idea we see in Scripture is that actually, as we partner with the Spirit, these things would be coming out more and more often to build up the church because we need these things. This is one of the ways God meets with us and speaks to us. So with all of that in mind as background, what is prophecy? What is prophecy? Prophecy simply is the gift or ability to hear God speak and then to communicate those words to the right audience, individual, or situation. An author and academic from Oxford, Michael Green, in his book on prophecy and the Holy Spirit says, prophecy is not the equivalent of scripture. I hope some of you will hear me say that. Prophecy and scripture are not the same thing and they're not equal. Prophecy is not the equivalent of scripture. Prophecy is a particular or specific word for a particular congregation or individual at a particular time through a particular person. Scripture, what the Bible says is for all Christians in all places at all times. And I would love you to hear that because at Restored, we have got a, we have a high view of the Scripture. We, we love the Bible and what it teaches. We study it. We want to know it. We want to memorize it. We want it to shape us. But we are also a Word and Spirit people. We want to hear God speak to us through the Bible as we open it and read it and preach it and study it. And we want to hear God speak to us by His Spirit as we pray and seek Him and as we listen. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, which is this key chapter in the Scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, on prophecy, we read a lot about what prophecy is, but what, one of the things we don't see is how to prophesy or, prophesy or how to hear God speak, which is kind of interesting. You would expect in a chapter like this that this was pretty much lined out, like, this is what it is, this is how it works, this is how you do it, and so on and so on. But we don't actually see that here. It does describe prophecy. It describes the way prophecy works and what prophecy does. But it assumes that hearing God is something that Christians do or, and are already experiencing, that this is a part of our lives. It doesn't explain how to do this. It assumes that it is already happening. And there is a picture of maturity that we're going to look at here, a, a picture of a child growing and talking and walking and maturing more and more. And that is the picture here with prophecy, that over time we're, we're growing in hearing God speak in learning his voice, and then being able to communicate that to one another as we grow and mature. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9 to 12, it says this, giving us that kind of picture. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when Jesus returns, when we are with him for eternity, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Here we read this picture of spiritual maturity, of growing up in the life of the Spirit, in the life of a believer. And like a child, we see this growth in the gift of prophecy this growth in hearing God speak and in speaking for him. And this makes sense. I mean, my daughter, August, I've mentioned in many sermons over the last few months, but I'm watching her say new words, form more and more articulate sentences. She's just so intelligent. You know, the brightest child you've ever met. You wouldn't believe it. But it's just been such a beautiful thing to even look back at these old videos where she's mumbling and gurgling and now to hear her forming full sentences. It's an incredible thing of growth. And she's only three. Similarly for us, we're learning to hear God speak better and better and then to operate in His gifts in a more fruitful and effective and sharp way. 
So when we start out at first, for some of you, you've never done this before. For some of you, maybe you have heard God speak or maybe you're still trying to work that out. For some of you, maybe you've shared a prophetic word with someone before or maybe not. As we start out, there's going to be some mumbling, some gurgling, some maybe stumbling as we walk around. That's absolutely okay. As we practice these things, we're going to grow more confident, more comfortable, more natural as we depend on the Spirit and see Him work through us. And over time, the muscles will get stronger. We'll get more confident. We'll hear people say, wow, that was for me. We'll be encouraged that God is using us and working through us. And the whole time as we do that, God, like this loving Father, is cheering us on. From that first mumble and stumble to the most articulate prophetic word shared. God's got his camera. He's calling the angels. He's saying, come and watch. Grant's going to do it. It's going to be terrible, but he's going to try. So proud like any dad would be as we trust the Spirit and depend on the Spirit and partner with the Spirit. Secondly, what Paul says here is we prophesy in part in, in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9 which really means partially or imperfectly. We never have the full picture. We don't have all the detail filled in. We prophesy in part. We don't get the full thing, but we get enough to share. This morning, uh, I got up pretty early just to finish preparing for today and just to be ready. And when I went into our bathroom, there was enough light in the bathroom that I could see my, my shape in the mirror, but I needed to turn on the light to do my hair. Otherwise, I would have looked, I mean, it is what it is. It's okay today. But if I hadn't turned on the light, my hair would have looked like a nightmare this morning. You can imagine. And what he's saying there is actually we see dimly. We see a part of the puzzle. God gives us something to share, but we don't see the full picture. And that's okay. As you prophesy, as you share something with someone else, you don't have to work out all of the details. You just share the thing that God has given you to share. So when we receive a prophetic word for ourselves, something to share with someone else from someone else, we experience three things. We experience revelation, a need to interpret, and application. Revelation is what is the word? You know, God, what are you saying? Interpretation is what does this mean? And then application is what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Now, please, when you share a word with someone, never fill in the blanks if you don't know what they are. Just give what you've got and let the other person deal with this in prayer. And I was thinking about myself, like a, a word that I've received over the last while that's been significant for me, but something that I've had to process. And I thought of something that happened in 2020. What a beautiful year. In 2020, um, near the beginning of the year, I think it was in February, I wrote down John 15, verse 1 and 2. I, I'd been reading this. I'd been praying and spending time with God. And I read through these two verses, which say, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Beautiful scripture from the word. But as I was reading that, the spirit almost emphasized it and personalized it for me. And I had the sense from the spirit that I was going to go through a season of pruning, but that it was my father who was the gardener who was going to prune me. And I wrote that down feeling very specifically, this is something for me. The spirit spoke through his word to me. So I had this revelation, what the word is. Your father is going to prune you, but you can trust him because he is your father and he loves you. So that was the, the revelation and the interpretation, the application. What do I do with this? I wasn't sure at the time. In April of that year, I got a text message from a friend of mine, James. He's a pastor in Durban. And he said to me, Grant, I was praying for you today. And I just had these two words for you. They, they were the words refine and define. Refine and define. And I believe God is taking you into a season. I hate that cliche kind of churchy word, but that's what he said, into a season of being refined and defined. I believe God wants to define your next season of ministry. And that was really relevant for me right then because God was speaking to me about pruning. God was speaking to me about taking some things out of my life because he was trying to shape me in certain ways, about actually detaching things from me so that I would attach myself more to God, take hold of more of God. And then, over time, as God started to prepare us to move here, it was wild how God was starting to define our next season of life, where he was pruning South Africa from us, Durban from us, the church we'd planted from us, a whole lot of different things, and was calling us to come here. He was refining us, but also defining the next season of our lives. In February 2020, I didn't know any of that. In April 2020, when I got that text, I didn't know any of that. And honestly, we didn't make those decisions because of those words, but I'm telling you, they were really helpful anchors and markers during the journey. 
as things were pruned from our lives, as we went through loss, and I know many of us did in that year, it was encouraging to look back at John 15 and think, the Father said to me, I'm going to prune things from your life, but it's for your good. I want to bring fruit from your life. I'm defining your next season of life. And it was helpful to interpret and apply that really just to give comfort to me and faith to me and peace to me during that journey. It's amazing. God spoke through his word and he spoke through a friend to help me to understand the season of life that I was in. Prophecy is really powerful and significant in our lives and for us as a church. And in 1 Corinthians 14, there are five things that it says prophecy does, which some of you maybe have experienced or maybe even would experience today. The first is that prophecy builds up. And this is the picture or the process of the building of a house. Now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so it makes sense that God is forming us more and more into the image of Jesus, into the kind of home he wants to live in. But also the church is God's house. You know, God is building us up. He is strengthening us through his word and by his spirit. Secondly, prophecy exhorts. Now, the word exhort is like to strongly encourage or to urge or even to push a little bit in a certain direction. That's one of the things prophecy does is it urges, it encourages us to respond in a certain way. And some of you might have experienced this in a church meeting like this. Someone is preaching and you're like, this is for me. This is for me. Like, it feels like everything they're saying is directed directly at me. Like, how did they know that I needed to hear this? I've literally had people come to me before and say, there are lines that you said in your sermon that are directly from my journal or diary. That's not because I'd read them. <laughs> that was because of the Spirit's work, just guiding. I don't even know if I said the things that they heard, but the Spirit was speaking to them and emphasizing those things to them in that moment. I've had that where it feels like God is strongly speaking to me and calling me to respond, to stop something or to start something, to forgive someone or to speak to someone, whatever it might be. There was an application in the sermon. I was like, I know the, the Spirit is strongly convicting me to respond to do this. Or for every one of us here in this room who is a Christian, we've experienced that when the gospel was preached to us and the Spirit was working in our heart to respond. Where before maybe we'd known about Jesus, even believed in Jesus, we knew in that moment that I need to respond to this message. That Jesus is a savior, that Jesus is the king, that I need forgiveness, that I need to repent, that I need to follow this man, that I need salvation that this is true. There was a moment for me where I just knew that I knew that this was the truth. Before I knew about it, but in this moment, it was like the Spirit put on my heart, this is true, and urged me, exhorted me, pushed me to respond to the message. I think many of us in this room have experienced that before. Prophetic words exhort us. Prophecy also comforts us. Some of us would have experienced this. Maybe it's through preaching where the Spirit, like for me in John 15, makes the Scriptures personal for you in a moment of need, a moment of sadness or suffering or pain, where the Scriptures comfort you. Or maybe it's someone just sharing a word with you. They say, I was praying for you, and the Spirit gave me this Scripture or this word or this picture or this idea, and they share it with you, and it is personal, and it is relevant and applicable, and it comforts you in a time of need. And you feel seen by God and known by God, that, that God is with you because of the words that that person has shared. Well, what about the fact that prophecy convinces? In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 and 25, it says, But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider, someone who's not a follower of Jesus, comes into your gathering like this, they are convicted by all and called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. Some of you have experienced that too. You've been in a meeting like this, and you're like, how did he know that? Why did they say that to me? Like me speaking to Royce, when I, uh, to Lois, not Royce. They both made an appearance in the sermon. It's really hard, you know, crossover. But uh, me speaking to that man, Lois, and him saying something and just knowing something about my life and my heart, sharing something that was so relevant, it convinced me. I was like, God is in this place. God has spoken to this person. Or again, when we have responded to the gospel, just being convinced this is the truth. God is here. He's moving me towards what is true. I need to respond. Prophecy can convince us of the truth. I remember being in a GC uh, in Durban probably 12 years ago, 
this moment, this guy named Nati shared a prophetic word with me and with someone else. The word that Nati shared with me was really relevant, and I, I think about it to this day. But there was a guy in this group, brand new to church, and he was sitting there on the couch watching this going on. And when it ended, he just said, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> he just couldn't believe it. Like, to him, this was clearly real, you know? I, I can be cynical. I can be a bit of a skeptic with some things. For him, he was like, I know that this is real. I know that God is doing something here. I know he is in this place and speaking. I've never experienced anything like this. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. The Spirit convinces us God is in this place. And fifthly, prophecy instructs us. That verb means to learn knowledge that will affect your manner of life. Now, on Sundays, when I get up to preach, or Andy, or whoever it is that's preaching and teaching, we don't just want to transfer information. You know, we don't just want you to learn something and leave here going, oh, I learned a new fact today. I learned new theology today. I learned a new scripture. I learned something new about the Bible. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something more that as the Spirit works through us, our hope is for transformation, not, not just information that the Spirit would move us, that the Spirit would speak to us, that the Spirit would change us, that the Spirit would empower us, that the Spirit would be working in us to respond to Jesus in whatever way He is wanting. And that's our hope. With the scriptures we share, you know, the, the pictures, whatever it might be, is that the Spirit speaks in that kind of way. And we're going to practice prophecy in a little bit in this gathering, and our hope is that actually the Spirit would give some words which would speak to us in a way which is transformative for us and encouraging for us. Prophecy builds up, it exhorts, it comforts, it convinces, and it instructs us. And we see in those words why Paul was so keen on the churches that he led and planted to eagerly desire prophecy and to listen to the Spirit that they would operate in the gift of prophecy. Now, I think there's some of you in this room who are pumped. You're like, let's go. This sounds fun. Like, I want to do this. I want to listen to the Spirit. I want to try this. I want to receive one. I remember before I'd ever received a prophetic word asking God, like, I would love that. Would you give me one of those? Like, that sounds like the coolest, coolest thing. But I do know that there are some of you in this room who have probably been hurt by this kind of thing before. And as I'm sharing now, there's objections going through your mind. There's pain, there's shame, there's guilt, there's hurt that has come about because of your experiences with prophetic ministry, with the gifts of the Spirit, with things like that. My wife, Michelle, and I have experienced those in different ways over the years. And I wanted to say to you that this was happening in the days when Paul was writing to. In the early church, this kind of abuse of spiritual gifts was going on too. And Paul writes to the churches to help them to think about this. And I hope for those of you uh, maybe who have experienced the negatives of this, the, the bad sides of this, even today I could give you a framework to help you to engage with prophecy in a new way. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 22, Paul writes to some Christians that he knows and gives them some guidelines around how to engage with prophecy. And he says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. So good. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then he says, don't stifle. The ESV says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. And it seems like there's almost two groups that he's speaking to there. There's one side who are closed off to this kind of thing. Closed off to prophecy, closed off to the gifts of the Spirit. They've experienced manipulation or abuse or falseness where it comes to these things. And they've just said, all of it's bad. I'm just, just shutting myself off from that. And you can understand why someone would do that. Maybe you are in this room and you've done that too. And Paul speaks to you or to I if we're in that place. And he says, do not despise prophecies. Don't despise this gift. And he says to us that, that there are different ways that we can respond to the Spirit and the way the Spirit responds to us. He says that we are able to please the Holy Spirit by what we do and we're able to displease the Spirit. He says in Isaiah 63 and Ephesians 4 that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. In Acts 7, we can resist the Spirit. In Hebrews 10, we can outrage the Spirit. In Matthew 12, we can even blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And here in 1 Thessalonians 5, it speaks about us quenching or uh, stifling the Spirit by what we do or don't do. 
the picture is like a, a little flame going on. And Paul gets out the, I'm sure we've got one. There we go, just on the side. Gets out the fire extinguisher. Someone gets out the fire extinguisher and just, shh, that's not happening in this space. You know, cutting across what God is wanting to do. And Paul is writing here saying, don't do that. Don't quench the spirit. Don't stifle the spirit. Try and see what the spirit is doing and respond to that. Fan into flame the work of the spirit. On the other end of the spectrum, there are those who can be naive about the manipulation or, or the false acts of the spirit. Things that people do where they, they really do dishonor God by pretending or faking or manipulating to get something out of people by what they say and do. And Paul is also saying we shouldn't just embrace everything or receive everything. We, we should test the things that are being said and done to see, is this from God? Is this his spirit? Those people who are on this end of the spectrum are like, well, don't put the spirit in a box, Grant. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. And there's almost this openness to embrace anything. Anything goes, open gates, open mic. Anyone can say anything they want because it could be the spirit. Shell and I have been in those meetings. Some of you guys have been in those meetings and it's not good. <laughs> Paul's giving us like some really helpful boundaries and guardrails here. Don't be naive and don't be cynical. Don't be naive and don't be cynical. Prophecy is a gift from God. But for some people, where they open the gates so wide, there's almost an obsession with the gift of prophecy. Andy spoke last week about the gifts versus the gift giver. Actually, if you're going on a trip to Palm Springs, you want to get to the destination. The gifts of the Spirit are signs pointing us to where we want to go. They're not the places we stop along the way. And he said, we don't stop outside the Palm Springs sign and take photos with our family and then go back home. No, we go where the sign is leading us. And the gifts of the Spirit are there as gifts to help us to know Jesus and experience His love and live in His truth and follow Him. That's what they're there for. We're not here for the gifts. So those people who are like prophecy junkies, gifts of the Spirit junkies, going from word to word, wanting like a word for our future, wanting to know what to do all the time, who are more about the gifts than the giver of gifts, as Sarah was sharing in her offering talk today, kind of a little different pivot here. But actually, there's something unhealthy there too. These gifts are given from God, but they're pointing us to God. Prophecy is not the end. Prophecy is us hearing God to know Him more clearly and help other people to respond to Him too. So Paul says there's a tension when it comes to these gifts of the Spirit and prophecy. Don't be naive and don't be cynical. Don't be naive. Don't accept everything. Embrace everything. Don't receive everything without discernment or a filter. No, test all things. But also don't be cynical. Don't be cynical. Don't reject everything outright. Don't filter everything. There's got to be an openness and a wisdom to us to actually discern what is from God. So we want to grow in this as a church. And if this is something you desire today, well, what are some practical things we can put in place from today? Well, firstly, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14:1, pray and ask God for these gifts. If this is something you desire, say, God, I, I desire the gift of the Spirit. I desire prophecy. I want to do this. I know you say it's a good thing. So I want to do it. Would you help me to do that? Share your fears with God. Share your uncertainties with God. Ask Him for the gift and spend time listening. Ask Him for people. Lord, would you give me a word? Would you give me a scripture? Would you give me a picture? Would you give something to me to encourage this person and what they're going through? Secondly, I think our GCs are a great place to practice this with people you know and who know you where actually there's trust and where you can say, hey, I've been asking God for the gift of prophecy. I think I have something for you. I'd love to share it with you and I'd love your feedback and I'd love you to test it to say, do I think this is from God for me or not? What a safe space to share that with someone you love and they can give you feedback. Yeah, that's so encouraging. That's for me. You've heard God or actually I'm not so sure. I'll pray about it, but I don't think that is. Well, what a great space to safely listen to God and share and encourage others. Sundays are also a great place to do this. On Sundays, we've got a prayer ministry happening. Our team meets at nine o'clock before the service to pray. And today, they spend time praying for our gathering, 
listening to the Spirit. And there's a few people with prophetic words for our, our community that they're going to share in just a few minutes. But if you want to grow in this, why don't you come and grow in prayer, grow in listening, grow in the gift of prophecy. Maybe you've got something for a Sunday gathering during the week. You could send that to one of the elders here. Say, hey, I think this is from God for our church. Will you weigh it up? Maybe you can share it or even in our gathering during worship or something to come to Andy or whoever's leading the meeting and just say, I think this is something the Spirit is wanting to say. What do you think? To be open to that, to encourage the church with the gifts. Lastly, I'd encourage you to have a notebook. I know some of you journal, some of you don't, some of you write things down. But when you receive these words from someone or when you believe the Spirit is speaking to you, to write these things down is something that you can go back to and reflect on. I actually did that this morning while I was preparing for today. I've got a bunch of things written down in a journal and I went back at them and I looked at some of the things God has been saying to me over the years. And I found it really encouraging to see what has happened since some of those things were shared, to see God's love, to see how God knows me, to see how he's leading me, to see how he's guiding me. And also sometimes to go, I think that thing I wrote down was off. <laughs> Like I can cross that out or put a question mark next to it. That doesn't seem to have been something from God, but almost just to track the leading of God in our lives. But sort of, there's an invitation from the Spirit to us that, that we would grow in this gift. And really it is growing in listening to the Spirit. As Jesus, our chief shepherd, says to us, you know, my, my sheep hear my voice. God wants you to hear him speak. You don't have to jump through hurdles for this. It's a loving father who wants you to hear his voice and he wants to hear your voice. And today we're going to practice this a little bit in just a second. Some of you maybe are wanting to ask for the gift of prophecy. Some of you maybe are wanting to just listen to see would the Spirit share something with me today. Maybe some of you today would get a word to share with someone. And he's going to lead us in that in just a second. But today we've got two people who are going to be sharing prophetic words and someone else just sharing something, sharing for the first time, something the Spirit brought to mind this morning in our prayer meeting before. So if I could call you three guys to come forward, it'll be really good to have you share. The last thing I'll say is we do have a few of these books up front if any of you want to grab them after the gathering just to help you to learn and grow in this. But we'd love to invite you to respond to what the Spirit is saying and to grow in the gift of prophecy. Come on up, Hey, hey, church. Um, I'm stoked to see you guys. Uh, some of you may know me, uh, and uh, you may not be surprised. One of the things that I feel God's gifting in me is administration. Um, I love good spreadsheet, love to calendar invites, love to flow charts that um, go here and there and everywhere. Um, but I, as we were praying this morning, and as, as even Grant was sharing today, um, I recognize administration, even if it's one of my giftings, is not always perfect. I don't get the calendar invites right. I, my spreadsheets and my plans are not the way they should be. And I, I know that comes up for a lot of us with different things. You know, we might have the gift of mercy, but still be impatient sometimes. We might have the gift of hospitality and still want to close our doors and say goodnight. Um, and I think for prophecy, it feels like for me um, and maybe some of you, that's a gift that I feel like I need to be perfect in before I can do it. Um, it needs like, you know, I need to have no sin in my life and I need to be completely certain about everything um, in my faith and I need to like memorize Romans. And once I do that, then I can uh, really like speak into someone's life or prophesy or or share something that God puts on my heart. And I just want to encourage you guys as, I, as we were praying this morning, um, God really, I think, showed me and reminded me, um, both for me and for us, like, it's going to be messy and we're going to make mistakes and God is a good father that loves us and will walk with us through those mistakes. Um, and I know so many times, uh, many of you have spoken into my life and, and brought me words and encouraged me when I was feeling anxious or overwhelmed or whatever it might be. And, and most of those times that really resonated. And a couple of times, um, folks have shared stuff with me and I've been like, I don't, I don't think that's for me or I don't think that's quite in line and that's okay. Um, that we can speak into each other's lives, we can share with the church, we can um, share God's word and, and God's message for each other and, and be okay and feel safe um, with God and safe with each other, um, that we might may mis make mistakes, that we might um, say something that doesn't line up or doesn't resonate immediately and maybe it resonates later. Um, but my encouragement for us uh, is just to, to try, to be open to God's leading 
If you're not sure, it doesn't hurt to go pray for someone or to go ask them if you can pray for them or ask them if you can share something. Um, and I'm just stoked to see that in our church today. Good morning. Uh, one thing that came to to mind and as we were praying and kind of asking God to speak something into our lives in that moment, something that came back to me from, gosh, nearly eight years ago is a dear friend and a fellow believer. It was a particularly painful point in my life and just going through some things personally. And he said, it's okay to be broken. And, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, maybe that's just me like projecting God in my mind right now and just experiencing some doubt there. But Andy reminded me, it's like, God has repetition, you know, like things in scripture keep coming about. And so I was encouraged in that way. And I felt comforted in that moment. It's like, stay, or sorry, being comforted and it's okay to be broken. And while I'm not in that season right now, it's like maybe for someone else that if you're going through a particularly painful point, it's okay to be broken. Uh, you can be rebuilt better, stronger, and in this community and through faith. Um, so I just wanted to encourage someone else and comfort you in that. Hey guys. Um, so I felt like this morning I got something for two groups of people. Uh, first one might be somebody who is just kind of stepping into their gift of prophecy for the first time. Um, it might be new, you might be a new Christian, or you might have not really been, um, aware of your gifting. Um, I will say personally that for a long time I kind of struggled against like a gifting of in prophecy. And it was like, people were like, no, it's prophecy, dude. And it's like, but that's not the one I want. It's like, no, but that's the one God gave you for a reason. <laughs> um, and the other one was kind of like what, uh, what Grant said earlier was somebody who might have been um, hurt in some way by, uh, you know, either prophecy, prophecy or prophetic church. Um, just in some way, like maybe the world, they tried to, to use their gift of prophecy and, you know, a friend was like, man, that's really weird. You shouldn't never say that again. And they just got like really burnt or hurt, right? And so I would just encourage you that like your father has given you this gift for the encouragement of others. It's an incredible like gift for serving others and encouraging. Um, and would just like really encourage you towards bravery um, and that like God really might be inviting you to step into that space one more time. I think Andy's going to pop up in a second and just lead us in a time of response, really, of listening and practicing and seeing what God would do. But I just love that example up front of three guys, different words, different invitations, different calls. And I think even now, just before Andy hops up, is there a way you need to respond to this message this morning? Is there a way you need to respond to anything they said? Like, would you just take a moment just to own that? Okay, this is the thing that stood out. This is the thing I think the Spirit is saying to me. This is what obedience looks like for me. This is the invitation I hear this morning. Would you take a moment just to take hold of that before Andy leads us forward in response? It's always tricky to lead a response time and the power of the Spirit because you don't control the Holy Spirit. Um, and you're, again, our role, typically spiritual leaders, is to try to facilitate and like make room for what he wants to do and then try to help us all respond to that. Um, but we don't really like fully lead it and it's it's tricky um, and pretty much every gathering is this way technically um, but you really feel it on Sundays like these and so um, just a couple of different things uh, I think some of you uh, some of you men and women have prophetic gifts and like I think you might have a more overhyped view of what that gift might look like you might think someone's shaking or whatever hoods and whatever uh, wizard sticks or whatever and um, it's not that, man, it's like encouraging you, but it, where you're like, man, God encouraged me through you. It wasn't just you. Like, does that make sense? Um, and uh, again, I love it, man. Like I loved the words today that were shared because they're not fancy. Like I, well, I love Justin's. He just said, it's okay to be broken. That's simple. But if you need it, if you need that word today. It's profound. Like you are broken. You feel like you're not allowed to be. You feel like you need help and you're scared to ask for it. That's a big word. Does that make sense? And so um, it could be little, it could be big. But a couple of things I wanted to uh, open it up to, to pray for. Um, I think some of you all um, either might have, some of you are wondering if you have a prophetic gift. Some of you guys just want one. But either way, um, we would love to pray for you if you want the gift of prophecy. 
um, or you think you might have it. Again, there's no guarantees. There is a precedent in scripture of laying on of hands and gifts being given to people. Um, we have, we, it's not like a, you know, a guarantee, like a guarantee or you get your prayers back or whatever. Um, but we would love to pray for you and see what God does. Like he may give you, um, and again, I encourage you to not be shy about this. So we'd love to have a culture of response where we're open up to what God wants to do. So I think Michelle will be up front, Jack will be up front, Grant, um, uh, myself, uh, potentially the other elders. Um, if, if revival breaks out, we'll see. Um, but I want to say, man, if you if you are interested in providing a gift, we, we'd love to pray for you. Also, uh, the prophet's core message in the Old Testament was come back to God. Like you're not listening. Come back. Come back to me. Come back to me. I miss you. Come back to me. And uh, I've been a pastor long enough, Christian long enough to know that there are um, highs and lows in the Christian life. And some of you guys, if you're honest, you're, you feel far from God. Like you feel far from God. It could be sin. It could be pain could be misplaced priorities, but either way, you found yourself in a spot you didn't think you would be in at the start of the year, maybe, or a year ago. Or, And if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. And every Christian has a season like that. So again, I don't even want it to be weird. It's like we could all probably get prayer for that uh, at different seasons of our life. Um, but if that's you today and you feel like, man, I feel kind of distant from God, it doesn't have to stay that way. Like we'd love to, if we move towards him, we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And so that's a promise in scripture. Uh, last thing I want to do before we go into worship set and have some prayer ministry and stuff is uh, before yeah before we do that I just want to encourage you to just take three minutes to sit down and be silent before the Lord and just ask Him just simply is there anything you want to say to me is there anything you want to, is there anything is there is there a person you want me to encourage is there anything you want to say to me personally or is there anything you want me to say to someone else and if so who are they could be big, could be, could be small. And then I'm actually going to challenge you during the response time while music's playing. Uh, to, if that person's there, to grab them real quick and just encourage them. I want to say, uh, like, don't physically grab say, hey, hey, can I talk to you real quick? And then this is how you make prophecy not weird. You just say, I think God might have put this on my heart for you. I got a picture of this thing. You might know what it means. I don't fully know. Or I got a phrase or I got a word. Or Does that make sense? And you can ask, does that mean anything to you? They, they go, oh, I don't know, or yes, either way. And just go, hey, I'd love to just pray for you, that God would bless you with this word and you do something with it. Does that make sense? So right now, I love you guys. You guys want to grab a seat? Kind of a unique Sunday. And just listen for a second. Close your eyes. Whatever would help you be present and focus. Feel your back in your chair, your feet on the ground, and just say, speak. Your servant is listening. And then just see if the Holy Spirit says anything. Might surprise you. Something for someone in this room. Could be something to be shared up here. Could be something he just wants you to know about you. Let's just listen and see what happens. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you, um, this would be, this is the only moment we're ever going to listen. But I ask that you would teach us how to listen. And how, not just how to listen, but how to respond. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers. And so, Lord, would you um, speak to us? And so, um, right now, as we move into a time of prayer ministry, I just pray you'd bless us. As we move into a time of maybe prophetic sharing, I pray you'd bless it. And you'd encourage people today who didn't expect to be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen.